culture, society, on every street and around every bend lies a world positively overflowing with both. But sometimes we can all use a night in, removed from the endless spiral of chaos and absolute nonsense that waits outside our doors. And for those nights, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop local stores and compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get your favorite drinks delivered to your door in under 60 minutes. All from the comfort of your couch. Because society is great, but it doesn't have your couch. And it's windy out. And you forgot your jacket. And oh my god, would you look at the line at that place? Are you serious? I... (sighs) So download the Drizzly app, or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Welcome back to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. Yes, it is October, but I think the weather, uh, somebody needs to let the weather know because it is still hot out here in L.A. It is still hot and sweaty and muggy and it is not pretty at all but i'm really excited because uh today's guest i have a very exciting guest today's guest has had an impressive decade-long career as an nfl star um and now he and his lovely wife attorney don newfeld have decided to use their platform to pay it forward and raise awareness for autism after their son will was diagnosed at the age of three he is also a celebrity cabinet member for generation rescue Everybody, please welcome Ryan Newfeld. Hi, Ryan. How are you? Hey, Zach. How are you? I'm good. Good. How's the weather out in in Texas? It's uh, hot and sweaty here too. It was uh, about 90 degrees today. Oh man, it's yeah. October. Oh, unseasonably it's, warm. And, it's supposed uh, to be I'm, cooling down. I'm I'm waiting right. for the fall weather. I'm waiting to bring out all right. my fall clothes, and it's still hot. Right. Well, at, at least uh, now in Texas, we get down in the 60s at night, you know, in the summer, it, it may get to 80 during the night, um, but uh, at least we're dipping down into the 60s, so <laughs> that's kind of nice, that little chill in the air in the morning, but it heats up quick. Yeah, well, you guys have that, that night and day weather where it's hot during the day, and it's at least nice and cool in the evening. Yeah, well, right now, but not so much during the summer. D- does it get really, it gets really hot in the summer out there, huh? Yeah, we're like uh, upper 90, mid-upper 90s. Um, uh, a couple years ago, we had a, um, a record-breaking number of days that were over 100. So, uh, you know, it, And then the humidity, you know, factor that in, too. It's, uh, it's pretty muggy. Yeah, that's intense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ryan, you've had a very impressive football career. You started out um, at UCLA. You moved on to the Dallas Cowboys. Then you moved to the to the Jaguars, the Buffalo Bills. So, I mean, you've had a very, uh, a very impressive career. What do you think was the biggest lesson that prof- that being a professional athlete taught you? Uh, I think um, the biggest lesson was. Uh, how to handle adversity. Um, now the the career, my career was um, it was it was long. You know, my my rookie was ninety nine, um, and then my last year playing was in uh, two thousand nine. Uh, however, a uh, lot of moving around. Um, you know, I, I spent a year in here in Dallas. 
Um, then after my first season, they sent me over to play in NFL Europe. Um, then I came back, uh, got released, and got picked up by the Jaguars, and I played there. Um, and then got released from them, and then actually went to Seattle for an off season, and uh, they cut me after that. Um, I was out a year, um, and then Buffalo picked me up um, and ended up playing Buffalo for five years. And uh, so there was a lot of moving around and had to really learn how to handle um, that adversity to, to really try to, um, you know, persevere through kind of all, all the, um, you know, getting cut and released and all that stuff and being able to stick to it. And, um, and then not only like throughout the career and changing teams, but also, you know, with during practices, during games, during training camp, um, you know, if you, if, if I had a bad practice or something and, uh, you know, someone in my position, uh, that's moved around and, and kind of a journeyman is what they, they call players like me. Um, you're really not given a lot of opportunity, um, to make mistakes. <laughs> right. So, uh, you, um, you know, someone who's drafted and they have a lot of money invested, you know, they have a little more room to make mistakes and they kind of like, um, you know, bring them along. For me, I, I was on a short leash, so to speak. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, if I made a mistake, it, really how to handle that adversity and and uh, and and focus on uh, my attitude, making sure no matter what it, what is going on really portray a positive attitude and a positive body language, um, you know, to the coaches and, and, uh, and teammates. Right. So, so how did you, I mean, is that, is that common to, to switch teams like that? Is that common for NFL players or for, for pro athletes? It is for uh, NFL. It is uh, more common than, than a lot of the, um, a lot of fans would, would know. Um, because you, you see, you, there's a lot of spotlight and, and a lot of media being talk, uh, talking about, you know, your um, players uh, like a like a Philip Rivers or um, uh, Tony Romo, you know, the your your star players, and so you really don't hear a lot about the guys that are, you know, second string, you know, or or your your uh, special teams guys that are just doing my kickoff, kickoff return, punt, punt return. Right. Uh, not really doing a lot on offense and defense, but contributing on special teams. So those are the guys um, that are that kind of find themselves bouncing around teams um, from you know year to year or every couple years. What was your favorite team to play on? I would have to say um, well, that's tough. I, I really, I really enjoyed Buffalo. Buffalo has a great, it's a great community, um, great fan base. I love the people there. Um, I really like the organization. Um, I, my wife and I, we uh, really set roots there and, and mm -hmm. made some good friendships because I was there for so long. You know, I was in Buffalo for five mm -hmm. years. And, um, but Dallas, uh, I had a really good time here in Dallas too. And, and uh, uh, you know, uh, Jerry Jones is really a good owner to to play for he really takes care of his players and and the, the fans here are, are great too you know fans here love their cowboys so so of all the teams that you've played for which one do you still root for i actually still root for the bills 
All right, a Bills fan. I'm really, I'm really hoping they uh, make the playoffs this year. <laughs> All right. So your son, Will, was diagnosed with autism at the age of three. What, what, what was the biggest, cha- or biggest struggle for you um, after receiving that diagnosis? Uh, that, was, it was, that was really difficult. Um, it was um, uh, quite a blow. Uh, and kind of for me, it's like kind of life just stood still for, for a while. Um, uh, I, I didn't really want to uh, accept it. Did, uh, you, did you understand what autism was at that time? Um, yeah, I kind of, because, yeah, I, I, I heard some things about it, and, and after my wife, uh, she kind of mentioned some things after, uh, before we got the uh, official diagnosis. We, uh, uh, my wife's done, did some research and, and kind of mentioned some things about it, um, so I would, you know, kind of pay attention to, to what she was telling me, and and um, and then uh, seeing a few things like... Um, on on TV or or the internet, so, uh, I I mean I didn't know what it, what it would be like um, you know, living with it day to day, but I kind of had an idea of what uh, what what it was all about. So what was the biggest part? You, you said acceptance was tough for you at the beginning. What part of of accepting it did you have a struggle with? Uh, I I just kind of was in denial. I didn't want to believe it. I, I thought um, you know after some time, I thought will. Uh, would um, just catch up uh, right. to kids, just grow out uh, of it. kind of his age. So I, I, I didn't really want to accept the diagnosis or, or uh, believe that it would have, um, it would, it would affect him um, for you know a long period of time. I thought, well, he'll grow out of it or he'll catch up. Is what kind of I, I wanted to believe. Were there any other signs that you noticed aside from um, some of the delays? Um, were there any signs that you noticed that maybe indicated that he might have autism? Uh, I think um, so. There were the delays. The kind of the first thing uh, he he wasn't uh, he didn't really uh, point out things or point at things with his finger, which is kind of the first sign of the communication for. Kid, for uh, kids as they, you know, point stuff out of their fingers, so stuff mm-hmm. like that. But uh, it was really kind of the repetitive behavior mm-hmm. we we would notice. Um, it, like when we would take Will to a Jimboree class, um, he would be uh, doing a repetitive behavior kind of in the corner, like going in circles where the other kids were uh, following directions and doing uh, what what the instructor was kind of like putting the kids through. So that was uh, kind of some some first uh, signs for for us. How did the and diag- I guess, and then also like the eye contact and and stuff like that. Right, which are all very common with with kids with autism. Is there anything that you would advise parents to look out for now, or, or any like key key signs that you would say you know look out for this, or or any advice that you would have for first receiving that diagnosis? Uh, for like. Um, as far as signs to look for, yeah, like if like if there's a parent out listening and they suspect that their child might have autism, but they don't know too much about autism, what advice would you give them? Oh well, I mean, if they um, you know if they uh, suspect something, I would say definitely trust your intuition and get them evaluated as soon as possible. Because uh, you know, the earlier we could um, get uh, kiddos, uh, you know, affected by the the earlier you know we get them in some early intervention type services, you know, the better it'll be for 
um, for that kid in the long run, for sure. Absolutely. So how did the diagnosis affect um, affect your marriage? How how new into the marriage, or how how long were you and Don married before um, before Will was born? So we uh, married in 2001. He was born in 2004, uh, so about three years. And then um, uh, he, we had Will, uh, yeah, 2004, and then probably 2005, 2006, we started noticing some things. And then 2007, he was uh, he was diagnosed. So, um, uh, so yeah, we were married quite a while, um, and I uh, think. Uh, uh, at that point, I was still uh, playing and pursuing uh, my football career. Uh, so uh, I kind of, I think I put more focus on uh, my football career and kind of withdrew um, uh, from from the family and, and focused on that because I, cause I feel like that, um, focusing on football helped me to suppress thinking about it, right? Because um, because I didn't want to think about it, I didn't want to uh, deal with it. Um, yeah, when and, we can uh, focus on something else, we don't have to right. actually face you know the problems that are right in front of us. Exactly, and, and that's kind of the what what the problem that I that I fell into, and and uh, and it it wasn't helping anybody. Uh, right. it, it didn't uh, serve well as far as um, our marriage. And there was a rough patch there for sure. Was there any guilt for for your lack of participation at that time that you, you struggled with? Uh, there was uh, some, yeah, there was uh, guilt. You know, I didn't really know what to do, didn't know how to help. Um, um, you know, again, I, I was in denial about the situation. Um, and... And yeah, so it, it, it just felt uh, it, it felt better to me to, to try to forget about it and, and really put my mind towards uh, you know my career. So, what was the turning point for you that said, "Okay, this is my son. You know, this is happening. This is real." You know, what what was the next step for you? How did you you know get so involved? I think it was it was just I just came to a realization that that. I'm I'm not helping anybody. I'm not helping the situation. I'm not helping my family. Uh, I'm not helping my son. Um, uh, so it was really it was after uh, you know a year, a couple of years, where I was just like you know this. I'm if in some way that I am hindering his progress because of um, my how immature I'm being about the, the situation, um, you know, if I'm hindering his progress, you know, that's definitely, that that's not going to fly, not going to work. And, it, and you know, it'll cause problems not only between, um, uh, you know, my relationship with Will, but definitely with my relationship with my wife. So um, I really had to uh, take a, a 180 and, um, you know, help and, and do what I can to uh, really help the situation, help my son, and and, and join uh, join my wife in in the uh, battle. So, following your retirement, following your retirement, did um, were you able to take? Is that when you decided to take on more of a of a stay at home, hands on role? Yeah, um, there uh, there was uh, you know I, I did have some aspirations of getting into uh, coaching. Um, and 
the the lifestyle of coaching, you know, it's you know similar to playing. Um, you know, you could you could move around the country and move from city to city every few years, and in, in you know that in that career path is coaching. Um, and I knew that would not be the best environment for Will, um, right. you know, because he would need um, structure and consistency. Uh, so I really had to, you know, step back from that and do what was best for him. And in, in which case would would be to take more of a stay at home dad role and to be able to to help him, you know, reach his full potential. So is that tough for you being, you know, this NFL star that travels the country and, you know, you're playing for big, big teams like the Dallas Cowboys, the Buffalo Bills, and then to now have to be the stay at home dad? Was that was the adjustment at all? tough for you yeah yeah it's uh, extremely imagine. humbling <laughs> yeah extremely humbling for sure um and uh it and even you know even now there there are times where uh, man i just you know I, I there are times where i wish i could uh you know just you know get out there and and do something and um, and, and you know some of that, some of my injuries from playing hinder me from from doing things as well. Right. Um, but I think just um, just that inner drive. I think every uh, person has to 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 you know work and do something. You know that's always going to be there. Right. Uh, but you know I have to take a step back from that and be like, okay, well, uh, you know I'm I'm here for for my family. I, I'm I'm helping my son, um, you know, grow and, and reach his potential and be able to, um, you know, be a, be able to contribute to society and, you know, to, to, to be an adult. And so um, I think that when I focus on that, it definitely puts things into a perspective on, on really what's important and, and try to put myself, um, you know, aside and, and not be selfish about this situation, but really look to what's best for my family and what's best for uh, my son. What made you and Don decide to go public with Will's diagnosis? We, I, we, our biggest thing was we wanted to help uh, other families. Uh, we knew that um, you know from from the numbers, uh, the the increase in in uh, diagnosis of autism um, that's been going on the past several year, several years that. Um, you know, as of right now, it's just not going away. And, yeah, and, the numbers are staggering right now. Yeah, it's like one in, what was it? One, one in 68. 68, yeah. Yeah. So we know that there are going to be other families that are going to deal with this. And so, you know, we wanted to do what we can to help others and um, to to give them, help give them hope uh, for for their situation and what the future can can hold for them. And how is Will doing now? He's doing pretty well. He is. He's uh, 11 now, and uh, um, he he is verbal, so um, so he can definitely ask for things and and request stuff, and and sometimes he'll surprise us with uh, uh, spontaneous, um, uh, you know, initiating conversation or some something spontaneous, which is great. Um, yeah. So we're just still working on kind of the social. Um, uh, behaviors and and more getting trying to pull out more of that that spontaneous one-on-one you know back and forth conversation right get the dialogue uh, but, uh, going. you know but he's he's made he's come a long way he's doing well 
That's good. So what's your focus on for him him now? Like, is it entering high school or, or starting to, are you guys even starting to think about that or puberty? Has that even uh, crossed we, your mind? Well, puberty has crossed uh, my mind. Oh, especially uh, you, your dad. Dad runs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it's, uh, it's, it's around the corner, that's for sure. We haven't hit mm-hmm. it yet, but uh, yeah, he's 11. He'll... Uh, he'll be starting uh, middle school uh, next year, um, so and, and that's kind of um, uh, I'm, I'm nervous about middle school. Um, yeah. So you know, because grade school here has been uh, elementary school here has been been really awesome for Will. The kids uh, uh, around him have been great as far as helping him out of school, and uh, but you know, it's just that middle school. I'm, I'm just kind of. Uh, you know, kind of a little apprehensive and concerned about it, but uh, is he changing uh, I schools? Think, um, I think it'll be a good transition. Is he going into a new school? Uh, he, he will be next year. Yeah, middle school. Is that scary? Knowing all, I mean, how is he socially? Is that uh, is that something that he struggles with? Um, he's he's okay. I mean, he likes kind of being out, you know, doing stuff. Um, kind of being likes being around he, he'll like being around people um mm-hmm. but as far as um <clears throat> being in, in engaged or involved or or playing games uh that's kind of what uh, uh we've been working on is 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 helping him to um engage with his peers and, and play games with his peers and, and stuff like that because he would kind of like like to just sit sit down in the corner and mm-hmm. and kind of observe what's going on but not really get involved. Talk to me about um, the Frisco Miracle League. Is, is he? He's on. He's on a team, right? Yeah. So uh, when uh, when I was done with Buffalo, mm-hmm. uh, we moved back here to Dallas. It was in uh, two two thousand eight, and that's when we got him involved in Miracle League uh, here in Frisco. Uh, it's. Uh, um, they do uh, sports for special needs kids, and we started with uh, baseball, and um, so he's playing baseball. Um, now the uh, league has grown. Uh, we have basketball, bowling, soccer, uh, football, um, cheerleading. We just added cheerleading. So, wow. uh, so yeah. So right now, Will is doing baseball, football, bowling, and soccer, and um, but. Uh, um, at the, se- the the games he's playing at this point in time in the year is uh, uh, baseball and, and football. So um, they, the Miracle League actually approached me uh, several years ago if I would start the uh, football league, and uh, you know I was uh, was you know I was like yes, you know when, let's get this going right now. <laughs> so yes, I was really excited to start that. That's awesome. Has that helped him with those social skills? Has that helped him kind of open up a bit? Uh, it has, and uh, he, you know, at first he was out there and and um, kind of just running around, and um, he would either take off running in the baseball field or or lay, you know, or he might lay down for a whole inning in the middle <laughs> of the, the baseball field. But uh, at the beginning, but you know, you just, just keep taking him out there, and and now he's, uh, you know, he's participating. He'll hit the ball on his own and. Uh, baseball and then football he'll you know he'll take the ball football and he'll run and you know score touchdowns so um definitely being able to see him grow um 
you know, athletically and then um, also engaging with his peers too. So it's been really good. That's awesome. Was that ever something you worried about when he was first diagnosed that might not happen? Or was that something you always saw happening? No, I, it was definitely a uh, worry about that might not happen. Because, um, you know, after the diagnosis, you know, it was, there was that, uh, it, it, was, it was potentially he he wouldn't be able to do, you know, tip, typical, you know, things that uh, with me that I guess, you know, father and sons do a lot to right. think like, you know, fishing or playing catch, stuff like that. But uh, um, I, I was... I didn't. I wasn't sure he would do that, um, but now being able to be out there with him on the field and helping him and and do stuff like this, it's it's definitely been a, a positive experience. Definitely good to see. That's awesome. So you recently hosted the Dad's Huddle at the Autism Education Summit um, that we had out there in Dallas with Generation Rescue. What motivated you to put on an event just for dads? Because uh, I just know how difficult you know it was for me. Um, dealing with the diagnosis, um, and, uh, you know, I just wanted to do, uh, what I could, whatever it was, I, whatever I could do to help dads, um, you know, going through a similar uh, situation. Um, you know, for, for me, uh, it's, it, and I think for a lot of dads, it's just, you know, we really don't want to, you know, talk about our feelings or what we're going through. We just kind of want to, you know, just, push it down inside and not really have to deal with it. And I really wanted to um, do something specifically for dads to help give them, you know, an outlet to, uh, to, to talk about what they're going through. And if they didn't want to talk about it, just to be in there and, and maybe if they could uh, hear a word or, or hear some advice from another dad that, that will help them, you know, I think that would, it would, uh, it, it's a positive thing as well. It's funny because I was there. Um, I was at the dad's huddle. I wasn't a dad, but I, I was at the huddle with you guys. And I remember seeing all of the dads walk in and some of them were a little apprehensive. Some of them you can tell were a little nervous or, or they walked by out the door a couple of times before they actually walked in. Um, but by the end of it, it, it really looked like everybody kind of just felt so relaxed. And you can see it in the room as you guys were talking and, and bouncing around different thoughts and ideas. You can see how they kind of loosened up and started to feel more comfortable. And it was it was like a it was nice to kind of see that. And it, it, you guys connected on, on a really good level. So I think it was an awesome event. And I, I'm glad yeah. you I'm glad you, you hosted that because I think I think the dads need that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm. I'm... Uh, there was just, you know, some, when I, my wife and I attended the event um, uh, last year, uh, and and then we were uh, approached by you guys to, to help again this year, and, and there, I, I just, ever since last year, you know, I just thought about, man, we got to do something for, for the dads, uh, because they're such an important part, um, uh, you know, in, in helping the kids, their kids with autism, helping them progress and get better. And uh, if both, you know, if if, if the, you know both parents aren't on board or aren't one hundred percent committed to it, then um, you know they. I just don't think they'll be able to reach their their full potential like they can with when both parents are involved. So, is there any advice that you have to the moms out there? Is you know a way that they can better engage the dads or better get that or you know help them get more involved? Do you think a lot of dads want to get involved and are just afraid or don't know uh, how? 
Yeah, yeah, I think there's definitely that, and um, you know they and they gotta they gotta be ready to do it. Um, you know, I think uh, moms are are so are they're they're really and which is which is great. You know, they're really quick to uh, to react and and get things moving. Um, which you know what Don did. You know, he diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Okay, boom. What do we gotta do? Let's move. Let's get this thing going. Let's you know. Uh, help our son, um, and a lot of moms uh, do that, which is wonderful, which is what they need. Um, and it just takes dads longer. And I and and I think I think at first at first diagnosis, uh, I think the moms out there just got to give uh, the dads got to give them some time to process it and deal with it. Um, now, I wouldn't suggest you know that carrying on too long because they definitely need to get involved and to help out. But, but I guess the advice I would get is, 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 you know, be, just be sympathetic and give them some time to process it. Um, and, and, and then just encourage them, uh, to, to, to help out any way that they can, you know, uh, I guess, you know, giving them, uh, help out with, you know, going to get stuff from the store, grocery store or just helping out around the house first yeah. before maybe doing specific things with uh, the, the child. So I guess that's my advice. I like that. And now one more piece of advice that I want that doesn't have to be autism specific, but I want you to think back to, to Ryan in, in his early 20s, fresh out of college or, or fresh into college, um, fresh out of high school. What advice do you wish someone gave you when you were in your 20s? Well, uh, it 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 was advice that that I've heard before, and, um, and you know, pl- playing going playing football through high school. But it, I wish it was advice that I w- would have uh, taken to heart and actually Listen worked to on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was to just just to to relax. You know, just you know when uh, because. Uh, it was like high school, you know, playing and 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 doing, uh, you know, getting good grades, and it was I was just so, uh, you know, just kind of, uh, I guess, uptight about it, like uh, getting good grades, right. or, you know, stressing about it, or or man, I got to really play well this game, and and you know, getting really nervous before games, um, and then um, that carried me on in college, you know. Man, I got to really play well, and and really, I just would get really uptight and nervous uh, during games, especially. And um, I wish I really would have taken to heart, as, you know, just just relax, you just know, relax. trust, yeah, trust in your in your training, in your practice, in your preparation, um, uh, or in school. Trust in the uh, preparation and the studying you did. Um, or like, you know, even with someone out there listening in their work, trust in your training and relax. And, and, you know, you're going to, you know, life is life. Stuff's going to happen. You're going to, you know, go through some ups and downs. And when you go through those tough times, just try to relax. And, and what I learned, you know, playing football, when you go through adversity, you know, try to keep that positive attitude and a, a positive body language, and it'll, it'll it can really help get you through those tough times. And so, that was the thing: is just you know, just go out there when when I was playing, just go out there, relax, and have fun and enjoy it. So I wish I really would have taken that to heart more. 
I like it. Well, thank you so much, Ryan, for for calling in and chatting with us about, you know, football and autism, because, you know, they go hand in hand. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Where can people find you on social media? Do you have a a Twitter and Instagram? I do. uh, Both my Instagram and Twitter is uh, Ryan Neufeld, so it's R-Y-A-N-N-E-U-F-E-L-D-88, Ryan Neufeld 88. And and if anybody wants to learn about the Frisco Miracle Lead, what what's uh, the best way they can learn about that? So uh, on um, uh, let's see Facebook, um, there's um, I think it's uh, Miracle League of Frisco on Facebook. Okay. Uh, but also their website is FriscoMiracleLeague.org. All right, everybody, go check out FriscoMiracleLeague.org and follow at Ryan Newfeld eighty eight on Twitter yep. and on Instagram. Thank you again so much, Ryan, for for calling in. Thank you guys. Uh, thank for you, listening. Zach. I enjoyed it. Awesome. Thank you guys for listening to hashtag No Filter. Be sure to listen and subscribe every Wednesday on iTunes. We'll be back next week and every week after that. Don't forget to check out Ryan and support Generation Rescue. Go to generationrescue.org. Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of them. And don't forget to follow me at Just Plain Zach across all social media platforms. I will chat with you guys next week. Bye. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.